afternoon. Victoria Taft with you. In for Jason Rance, who's off gallivanting throughout the world, doing things that only Jason Rance does. Delighted to be here. Whew. A text line, 800-465-8770. You've gotten some responses. I'll tell you about that. I've already explained to you about the, the creepy Amazon delivery man at a quarter to six in the morning. And so we've got lots to do this particular hour of the program. It is time to find out what's trending. What's trending? The environment. That's right. We are dying. Well, wait a minute now. Didn't Katie Porter just express what her daughter had said about the environment? This is what's going on. We are trying to avoid it. Oh, look at that. Katie by the door. I have a nine-year-old daughter. I have three kids. And I told my nine-year-old daughter that I was going to be speaking with you. And I said, what do you think about the climate change? Climate change. And she said, the earth is on fire. And we're all going to die soon. And that's why she's going to kill herself in a couple of years, right? I mean, this is a bit... Who's Katie Porter? I'll tell you. I'll tell you who Katie Porter is. Katie Porter is the woman who wants to, along with Adam Schiff, the human uh, sieve, want to be the replacement for Diane Feinstein. And Diane Feinstein is the long-running senator from California who had in her employ for 20-odd years... A Chinese spy. You're going to love that. Who knew of her calendar, heard her on phone calls, drove her around, acted as valet and dishwasher and all kinds of things for Diane Feinstein. And she had this guy. Now, now, of course, she's in her. Well, I would say that she's she's more she's farther than the back nine. OK, she's you know, way on the back nine. She's on the 18th hole. She's in a playoff for the 18th hole. Okay, and uh, and they're going after it because nobody can make their putts and Diane can't because now we find out that Diane Feinstein is not making her own decisions on her own finances because Diane Feinstein can't. And yet she can be a U.S. senator. Well, isn't that interesting? And so everybody wants to have her job. They want Gavin Newsom. She, they want her to quit so Gavin Newsom can name an interim senator so that they can run as an incumbent at the time that they can run again, but at least a couple of years in so they can get grooved in, hire some staff, you know, measure the drapes and all that stuff. See if Diane Feinstein's office works out for him. So there. So that's what's happening there. And it's all because we're all besotted with this idea that uh, these nutballs want to be Diane Feinstein's replacement. And at least, at least Diane Feinstein loved the country. And we're not really sure about that with Adam Schiff, who has never met a lie he didn't want to tell you about President Trump. He was the guy who peddled the Russian disinformation thing and that whole nine yard thing. He, he was he was that guy. He was the guy who lied during the January sixth committee reports. He was that guy. He was the guy who brought you the the phone call. With a Ukrainian in the library, he lied about all that stuff too. And then you've got Katie Katie Porter with her whiteboard. So th- th- we've got problems. We've got problems in River City. I'm telling you right now. But chief among them, chief among them are the lies. In addition to the Donald Trump lies, they've been telling you. There are lies about the climate, as Katie Porter just told you. This is why half the kids in America uh, just want to commit Harry Kiri. And the reason they do is because, guess what? They think the Earth's going to 
die. They're, it's going to implode. It's going to set on fire. It's going to. What? I'm sorry. I missed the verbiage again. The the earth is on fire. Daughter, I have three kids. Okay. And okay, I yeah, told my yeah, nine year old daughter that I was yeah. going to be speaking with you. And yes. I said, "What do you think about Greta the climate change? Climate change?" And yeah. she said, yeah. "The earth is on fire, and we're all going to die soon." Yep. That's it. And I asked her how that made her feel, and she said it made her feel angry. Well. I'm sure that's the only word the nine-year-old was able to come up with. I'm pretty sure. I would say perhaps despairing, desperate. Perhaps that would be a word. If you didn't know your nine-year-old brain could wrap itself around the fact that your mom's been lying to you about climate change and said that you're going to die soon and that the, the polar bears are going extinct and doggone it, you know, there is not enough or there's too much or it's melting or it's, it's uh, creating ice. Uh, you, it's, it's a problem. We're having a, we're having a catastrophe. We don't have enough. We don't have enough uh, natural resources. Yeah, so you've been talking, the lied. They're lying to kids. And they call it science, and it's not. You know what it is? It is a, it, it is a, an example of what you saw during COVID. A mindset, a one thinking, uh, it is a, a, the one-minded thinking of so-called scientists for a political reason. Now, here's Michael Schellenberger. He's a guy who's written a book about the climate. He's hated by the left because, you know, the fact is that he used to be a climate liar. And now he's going, you know what? I don't know about this. This seems odd to me. Why are we doing this? Uh, this seems that it would be best if we started telling the truth about the climate. So he gives a speech he says, here's the news. You've all heard the news. Climate change is destroying your future. Carbon dioxide is accumulating in the atmosphere. The planet has warmed 1.1 degrees centigrade since the pre-industrial period. Global warming is killing the Great Barrier Reef. We also know that police killing black people is a pandemic. Murders of trans people nearly doubled over the past four years. But there's more to this story. Carbon emissions peaked in Great Britain over 50 years ago. Same thing in France, the United States, and indeed over the last decade, total global emissions declined. Uh-oh. Why haven't you read that in the New York Times or the Washington Post? Deaths from natural disasters have diminished to a few hundred a year in the United States, even as the global population quadrupled over the last century, they've declined internationally by over 90 percent. So you get the picture. There are a lot of lies that have been told about the so-called climate catastrophe, so-called global warming and whatever iteration of it that they are expressing whatever new slogan they're coming up with, whatever it will get a grant from some big shot at some think tank or from the government program, put all the buzzwords in there. And all of a sudden, voila, you know, you really wanted to study, Oh, I don't know what makes a phone go, but if you put global warming or uh, the climate collision or climate catastrophe or global warming, uh, whatever, whatever the latest groovy headline is, you'll get the, you'll get, you'll get the grant. 
That's the way it works. That's the way it worked with COVID. That's the way it works here. It's usually the way it works with government grants. They have a political outcome. They give money to people who have the same ideas. And you'll never hear other ideas, which is why you don't hear much from Michael Schellenberger anymore because he's been kept out of polite society, which is the you know global climate cult. So what I thought was really interesting recently was the story about that I've been hearing about about the volcano that erupted near Tonga, oh, last year, and the havoc it is wreaking on the environment. And I thought, well, this is interesting, because I remember back in the, what was it, the 90s? Was it Mount Pinatubo in the South Pacific that also erupted? And what happened was it caused additional earth you know warming because it created a uh, an umbrella of over the over some of the areas of the the earth which kept in the heat and it caused emissions of all kinds of co2 which caused all kinds of experts to go nuts oh we can't do this it's all caused by man because of course they don't worship the creator they worship the creation and they think man is man is in control of it that they can control that and that whatever you do your leaf blower if you just stop using your leaf blower would would you please stop using your leaf blower we could get over this and so they say that this volcano is really not that big of a deal but indeed it has done a number of things. Let's let's go over the list. I just looked this up the other day. The volcanic eruption in Tonga reshaped the Pacific seafloor. These are all from major news organizations. The Tonga volcano eruption felt in the Atlantic seafloor. The eruption of the Tonga volcano seems to be disrupting cultivation in Maine, the Hunga Tonga eruption, is it causing our summer heat? The shocking things scientists learned from the Tonga volcanic eruption. There are other stories. The record-breaking Tonga volcano disrupted satellite s- signals. From space. Well, that's interesting. So you're saying it gets all the way up there. Isn't that interesting? The Tonga undersea volcano created the most intensive lightning we've seen in recent years. The Tonga volcano also is causing some problems. Oh, interesting. And then you get to the hill. Because as we know, it's a death cult, as Quilty and Snohomish put it. The Climate crazies, the people who adhere to the cult of global warming and who believe that you should pay indulgences to their gods have said that, well, wait a minute now, it's caused all of this havoc around the world. It's changing satellite signals? Really? So it's in the atmosphere. It's causing things around the earth to change and 
it may be dismantling and disrupting cultivation in Maine. Well, if it's in Maine, it's probably elsewhere, right? Okay. Fine. But according to The Hill, the cultists needed to be satisfied. And because of all of this information that had been coming out about the Tonga volcano, they said, well, wait a minute now. We can't have people believing that the reason we're having a, a you know heat event in Washington State and elsewhere along the West Coast, Mest Coast, that it could be you know, something we could ascribe to the, the Tonga volcano. We can't have that. We can't have people believing that. That's unacceptable. Because what it means is volcanoes are more impactful on the environment than our people. And we can't have that. And so The Hill, a political entity, a political magazine publication, decided to attempt to rewrite the script. Uh, Climate change is driving higher temperatures, not a volcanic eruption. Oh, isn't that interesting? Climate change. Climate change, not a volcanic eruption. So they start with... uh, The climate change is the major driver of this year's extreme temperatures, not the eruption last year of an underwater volcano near Tonga in the Pacific Ocean, scientists tell The Hill. But did they say that really? Is that what the scientists really told The Hill? Well, no, you know, not actually. You go through the rest of the story and you find out it's probably fair to say that the influence of the volcano on this year's extremes is quite small. But listen to this. This is according to Stuart Jenkins, the author of a paper that discussed the eruption. But... It's quite small, really, as opposed to what? Oh, climate change. The alternative is climate change. And they believe that climate change is caused by man. But when I wait a minute, it seems to me that if that's a small part, then isn't the climate change, isn't climate change part uh, and parcel of volcanoes? Aren't volcanoes part of the climate change? Because the climate changes all the time, all the time. Yes, that is correct. Another one said uh, climate change and El Nino are the main drivers of the extreme heat we're seeing around the world. Oh, isn't that interesting? What's El Nino? El Nino is the kind of um, way that the the seas are moving, the Pacific in particular, uh, because that's where the El Ninos occur. And that causes uh, more, I think it's more heat. There's El Nino and La Nina. I mean, so these are things. These are what we used to ascribe to different temperatures and the way the tides were and why we're having more rain on the West Coast, West Coast, because of these kinds of different ways that the or the um, Pacific Ocean was moving, different currents and that sort of thing, the El Nino versus the La Nina. And they used to call it that before they decided to grift on the title of climate change and global warming and rename those entities into, oh, my God, we're all going to die. And, you know, the earth is going to uh, burn up and we're all going to die soon. And that's what they're teaching our kids. And we know it's not true. And we know it's not. And we know it's not true because nobody's changing their lives. They're only using their power to change other people's lives, not their own. I mean, I recycle. I, I I do all kinds of things to try to save resources. I do. I, I just think it's being a good steward. But I, I don't like being lied to. And these people are lying. Uh, let's see. So what else do they ascribe to this issue? If it's not the volcano, it's really, it's really climate change. Oh, okay. So are you saying that volcanoes are not part of the climate? 
Are you saying that that's not part and parcel of part of the climate? Why, yes, that's what they're saying. But that's not true. We all know that. Big story is not the volcano. It's not really even El Nino. It's global warming. Well, what is that? Well, they don't say because you're supposed to take it as received knowledge that whatever they tell you is causing it and they give it the name global warming. You have to take that on faith. It's received wisdom. You must take it. And it has nothing to do with volcanoes. And by the way, it has nothing to do with El Nino and it has nothing to do with La Nina and it has nothing to do with any naturally occurring phenomenon that changes the weather. But you should take their word for it. In other words, this was a total fail of an attempt to fact check. The people who say, hey, this volcano situation, this is really, this is really crazy. This is really something. They're lying like a rug. And that's not okay either. By the way, that kid, that Katie Porter thing, by the way, you should take seriously her telling her children that because she's not the only one telling her kids that. You know, parents of the year doing that. Teachers of the year doing that. And it's all a big batch of lies. It's just a big batch of lies. One of the books that I find is really interesting about this topic and how people say, well, you know, it's not really the, it's not uh, volcanoes. It's not El Nino. It's other stuff. It's climate. Oh, okay. So those things you're saying are not part of climate. But in Michael Crichton's book, State of Fear, he sort of synthesizes all of the things that occur in the climate to create the climate. Listen to this. He says, after 5 billion years, our planet remains amazingly active. We have 500 volcanoes and an eruption every two weeks. And earthquakes are continuous a million and a half a year. A moderate Richter scale, Richter 5 quake every six hours occurs on the earth. A big earthquake every 10 days. Tsunamis race across the Pacific Ocean every three months. Our atmosphere is as violent as the land beneath it. At any moment, there are 1,500 electrical storms across the planet. 11 lightning bolt strikes on the ground each second. A tornado tears across the surface every six hours. And every four days, a giant cyclonic storm Hundreds of miles in diameter spins over the ocean and wreaks havoc on the land. And the nasty little apes that call themselves human beings can do nothing except to run and hide. For, For these same apes to imagine they can stabilize this atmosphere is arrogant beyond belief. They can't control the climate. They run from the storms. And it's so absolutely true. So all those things, okay, so it's not the lightning storms. It's not the, all the things that are caused by naturally occurring occurring phenomena that's not the climate well they say no it's 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 other stuff it has to be caused by men that's what their only alternative left is if it's not caused by el nino which is the the way in which the the pacific ocean moves okay it's not that and it's not the volcano and that has been a you know linked to additional lightning storms and other phenomena so that's not that's not climate to you yeah we're all going to die soon sure katie porter big fat liar so michael schellenberger sort of closes it out and i i just got a you know a little bit more of it because he just wonders why in heaven's name nobody's getting told the cost of disasters everywhere is on decline why is nobody telling you that As a result of declining deaths, 
from extreme weather events and declining costs, what gets counted as a natural disaster has also declined. There's only one database that tracks natural disasters. It's the MDAT data center in Belgium. And total global weather and climate disasters have declined. How come nobody is saying that? How come nobody's saying that? It's what's really, I believe, very interesting if you need to just put things in perspective. So much of what they want to do is to deprive people, humans, uh, civil society, and civilized society, the ability to cool themselves off, off from the heat and warm themselves up when we're cold. And in so doing, and putting the kibosh on certain kinds of naturally occurring things that'll make you warm or make you cooled off, they want fewer of those things. They want you to turn off your AC. Can you imagine in the 98 degree weather we were having the other day, somebody telling you, oh, I'm sorry, you can't do that. Oh, and we're going to turn it off. And then do you know what havoc that would wreak? Do you know how many people would end up dying because of that? Or imagine, well, I'm sorry, you're using up too much energy and we have to turn off your uh, electricity that's keeping you warm or your natural gas that's keeping you warm. But worse, people in third world countries that create a lot of pollution because they use dirty fuels, they won't be able to get a chance to improve their lot either. You're sort of saying, well, you're stuck in the third world and we're going to keep you there because we want our not LNG. (laughs) It's pretty remarkable. Okay, when we come back, Chadwick Moore, he's written a book called Tucker. It's about Tucker Carlson and all the travails at Fox News. Really interesting. We'll talk to him coming up next. I'm Victoria Taft. In Fort Jason Rance, AM 770 KTTH. The interview. Chadwick Moore is a writer, humorist, chronicler of the left. He left. He wrote for Out the Advocate and has been featured in the New York Times, New York Post, Playboy, and now he's with The Spectator. He's written books, and his most recent one is about former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. And he's been writing the book about Tucker Carlson for about a year, and right when it was supposed to come out, Tucker got fired. <laughs> I, I, not, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Anyway, he's got some weird goings on with the launch of his book called Tucker. He'll be on my Adult in the Room podcast next week. Once more, we've already talked uh, one occasion before this, and it's just fantastic. But I'll have more information on this book when we talk in the podcast. But right now, welcome to the Jason Rance program with Victoria Taft today, Chadwick Moore. Victoria, I was just saying, we, we had so much fun the last time I was on your show. I've been looking forward to talking to you again all day. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That is high praise because you are very, you're a lot of fun. You are a lot of fun. Well, I mean, oh, there's been a lot of things going on with your book, Tucker. 
And Chadwick Moore, what's happening with the sales and the deliveries and all of that stuff? I keep hearing conflicting stories and weird uh, happenings. And what's happening? Well, shenanigans is what I will say is happening, uh, although it seems to have corrected itself. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain this as succinctly as possible because, uh, and, and, you know, this isn't me whining or complaining, uh, but I think it's interesting, actually. And, and we've actually got some lawyers involved oh. who are looking into it and possibly filing a complaint with the FTC over oh. what Amazon did. Uh, so what happened was, you know, the book was released August 1st and uh, it was on pre-order since May. Uh, what that means and why, for your listeners, what, why, why books do pre-order is you, you have a couple months to get sales on pre-order, and then on the release day, all those orders ship, and then so you've got a couple months of orders that are then count for week one book sales, ah. which is kind of what you want for the bestseller list. Sure. So you know, it doesn't count as a sale until the book ships. Uh, so Amazon, which is the largest by far book retailer in the world and, and especially in the country, uh, they had about 8,000 books on stock, uh, and then went on April 1st, I'm sorry, August 1st, when, when the book launched, uh, they were sold out on their website for, uh, a couple days. So after a couple hours, sold out, couldn't buy the book, you know, so they apparently went through all those books. I guess they didn't order any more. Uh, and then when they finally got, uh, it back up, apparently we did a customer poll that, that also supports this. They were shipping, um, orders that you place that day ahead of pre-orders. Oh. So people who had ordered in May, including my own mother and my partner, both had not gotten their books uh, by uh, August 10th, but people were ordering after that were getting their books. Now, why this makes sense is uh, the book scan numbers came out for the first week. BookScan is the company, retailers like Amazon report how many books they've sold to BookScan, uh, it's, and then BookScan gives those numbers to the bestseller list. So according to the book stand numbers of the first week, Tucker was a total flop. And uh, oh, apparently sure. we only sold, <laughs> yeah, sold 3,000 copies, even though Amazon ha- had 8,000 and then ordered another 5,000 and then sold out of those. So we did the Weird. numbers and we thought, well, it looks like Amazon just sold zero books for the first week. So why is that important? It's not a vanity thing. You know, it's because the bestseller list is what book buyers look at to determine what they want to order. But also it's that, Suddenly you had a headline in all this liberal media that was Tucker Carlson biography bombs, which is an irreparable damage to, you know, yeah. you could argue to me, to the books, to the publisher, all seasons press, et cetera. But it also, you know, I think it serves the purpose of a narrative that that some people in power may want to push that Tucker Carlson is irrelevant and nobody cares about him uh, because the book would have been a number one bestseller the first week. Now, Amazon has started reporting week two and lo and behold, we're a bestseller week two. Mm. Uh, but um, the headlines are already out there that millions of people saw. So we're looking into it and we're going to see what happened. On top of all of this, Amazon was, if you pre-ordered the book, people were getting emails that said, you need to go to your desktop and log in and confirm you still want this book or we're going to cancel it. And they couldn't do it from their phone or their app. What? <laughs> I mean, all sorts of stuff like that was going on. And we got uh. hundreds of messages that were all compiling. So, you know, we knew, and, you know, this isn't about me. Nobody cares about me. This isn't about the book. I, you know, if something were intentionally done and we don't know yet, we're looking into it, it would be to damage Tucker. It would be to damage, yeah. you know, to say I'm just a casualty of that, you know? Yep. So it's interesting. And, and, I'm, and I'm happy that I work for a publishing company or I wrote for a publishing company that um, 
believes in this cause of free speech and is like, no, we are going to get the bottom of this and we're going to try to make sure this doesn't happen to other conservative authors and publishers. That is wild. Yeah, that's the big ball game, right? Where if you sell those, uh, the one, the pent up demand, that is the number that is supposed to go to the bookseller uh, poobahs to determine whether or not you have a bestseller on your hands. And now, of course, it's a bestseller. Um, and so you've, you've got lawyers involved, huh? You're going to go after those guys? Oh, yeah, we're looking into all of this. You know, we know, okay, Amazon has this many books. What do they do? Were they throttling sales? You know, wow. we're not making any direct accusations right now. All we could say is when we look at the week one numbers, it kind of looks perfectly in line with what Walmart, Books A Million, and Barnes & Noble sold without Amazon. So why did Amazon not report any sales? Wow. Sales for week one? Yeah, interesting. So we're looking at it, and we're figuring it out. But uh, we're also, you know, in contact with members of Congress who are on the Energy and Commerce Committee, letting them know, Republican members of Congress, letting them know what's going on. Uh, and, you know, if they want to also put some resources into this. But conservative publishers have issues like this all the time. And many, many conservative authors have said, oh, I have had stories you wouldn't believe dealing with Amazon. Uh, and it's something that we should, I guess, sadly, we come to expect. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to shut down the momentum of something that you don't like uh, and try to take petty swipes to to uh, see, make something seem irrelevant, they have the power to do that, and they do it every day. Wow. Well, I love what you did with the book. I just got my copies I mentioned, so I haven't read it all, but I did love the fact that you have QR codes at the ends of some chapters in order so that you can go see for yourself what it was that Tucker Carlson said on any given occasion, which I found really refreshing. Is that the first time that's ever been done? I, I don't I don't know if that's ever been done before or not, but it was um, my editor's idea, and, and people seem to really love it. Yeah, if we're, there's a QR code at the end of each chapter that will go to um, something we're talking about in the chapter, usually it's a Tucker speech or something we're referring to, and yeah, people have been really liked that feature. Now, one of the things that we were all waiting, which is why you had to go back and do a, another sort of forward or a preface to round out the book, was that he got fired. So have you learned any more about some of the underlying reasons for why Tucker Carlson was blown out of Fox. Well, it seemed, well, it's now inarguable that I think, well, I, in my opinion, that it was ideological. You know, you, there's no, there's no other reason. And that was sort of confirmed. Um, you know, I guess the biggest news that confirmed that afterwards. Uh, so I did get to interview Tucker a few more times after his show was taken off the air and then added a few more chapters, as you said, updated the book, make it current. Uh, but, um, in the middle of July, uh, his entire remaining production team was fired in one fell swoop. Um, they, they got told that the, after at nine o'clock that night, cause they're all still working on the eight o'clock show, uh, someone from HR would be waiting outside the control room to frog march them out of the bin, window, out of the building wow. and uh, take their badges. And to me, I mean, that's not how it works in cable news. You're hired to work for a network. You're not hired to work for a show. Uh, usually Ooh. if the show's taken off the air, you get moved to another show. And this was the highest performing team of producers in cable news history. Fox got rid of everyone who worked on Tucker's show. Uh, they're really worried about Tucker loyalists being in the building, people who I guess share his, and his team was very close, as I got to see in the process of writing this book. Um, they all sort of shared the, the vision of their, of their boss, and they're all on the same page. And uh, Fox was doing a purge. After uh, we learned in, in this was in July when that happened, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it, it, it's it crazy. was ideological. That can't really be argued well, at this point. At this point in time, his is the name that is not to be said in the building over at Fox, and nor is anything any news item that he generates to be used or spoken of by any of the hosts. True, right? True. Yes, uh, you can't say the name on air, and um, so. <laughs> Jesse Waters recently tried to do this because Tucker's breaking news left and right. And he he couldn't show a clip of an interview Tucker was giving. He had to read a transcript of it. Uh And uh, and he couldn't say Tucker's name or say where the transcript came from. (laughs) So let me ask you this. What are they going to do? Because today's news is that Donald Trump will not be a part of the Fox (laughs) News debate by all the Republican uh, candidates in the coming days. And instead, President Trump, former President Trump, will be on with Tucker Carlson instead. (laughs) What? That's going to drive Fox insane. (laughs) They're going to be really mad. But that news just broke that that's what's happening. Um, And 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 now and Fox can't report on whatever happens during that interview with um, Tucker and Trump. You know, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this. I think that's hilarious. And the fact that they would say, oh, I'm sorry, but in the in the interest of personality clashes and politics, we won't play anyone who's just actually broken real news. Therefore, we're not really a real news station. I'm not sure what that says about Fox at this point. And uh, I know we have connections here with Jason and all that, but I still wonder why they would not allow real news to be uttered on their own station, even if it came from the mouth of somebody they don't want to have anything to do with and just want to silence. But uh, one of the things that is clear in your book about Tucker Carlson is he is very familiar. He knows very deep down where his place is in the world. And at the end of Chapter 13, you talk a little bit about that to give some people the essence of what you're trying to say in this book in our remaining, you know, seconds or couple minutes tell us what it was that you found out about this guy that was of particular interest to you and in relation to what i just said yeah I, you know i wanted to, to I, I i wanted to and i think i think mostly succeeded at telling the story of a three-dimensional portrait of a man of a human being not just this face on television and not just this caricature that you see um in in headlines and, you know, what I found is Tucker the Man is someone I think who does not necessarily care about politics per se. He's more interested in questions of morality, family, beauty, nature, spirituality. And he sees those as informing politics. Um, but he's not like a tit-for-tat kind of partisan guy. And, uh, and I think that is kind of one of the big takeaways of, of this book and of who he is. Wonderful. Chadwick Moore, thank you. I look forward to talking with you again on the Adult in the Room podcast in the coming days. And thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us on KTTH this afternoon to talk about your book, Tucker. Of course. Thank you. And I can't wait to talk to you later in the week. Okay. Thanks, Chadwick. All right. See ya. Well, I enjoyed that with uh, Chadwick Moore, and he's going to be on the podcast, uh, the Adult in the Room podcast, which is the name of my podcast. Please uh, follow it. Pretty awesome. And I get really interesting people, and I don't waste your time. So that's a good thing about the podcast. Okay, the Orca, I think it's pronounced Tokite. 
It's actually known as Lolita in the Miami Seaquarium died. This is the orca that has been talked of being brought back to her, you know, end her days in the, what they call the Salish Sea, which is basically the Puget Sound. And so the orca died. They think it had something to do with renal failure. Uh, she was the last of the surviving orca of the whales that were captured from Puget Sound in the 1970s, uh, August 1970, as a matter of fact. And and then she went on over to the Seaquarium in Miami uh, 53 years ago, and she just died. I don't know what the typical lifespan of an orca is, but I, I don't know. I think 53 years sounds sounds pretty pretty decent, but... Uh, but they think that she died of natural causes, which is to say renal failure. So God bless. God bless. Hey, I wonder if orcas are in heaven. I bet you they are. Why not? I don't know. I, I, I plan on having my dogs in heaven. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see about that. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, so there's much movement today on the Trump cases in one of them in the state of Georgia where they've, uh, indicted him for being a mob boss under the RICO statute. So who knew? Some people say he's part of the gang that couldn't shoot straight. But on the other hand, he's a slick mob boss. And so there you are. So Mark Meadows has filed a motion to move the case against him because there were 18 other people indicted and they included lawyers of Donald Trump who are indicted because they gave a le- they gave legal advice that was a legal strategy which with the left did not like and so therefore they must they must be punished and in fact on the a recent adult in the room podcast i spoke with a man who's written the book called three felonies a day you know this was a book that came out years ago and i just wanted to have him on recently because you know i think that the the feds are going after people and wrongly uh, go, wrongly going after them legally indicting them for uh you know things that you never would have been indicted for years ago and uh, you know you know basically kind of making stuff up to some extent i mean you're parading and you didn't even go in the the capital what are you are you kidding me and you're going to go to there's a guy who's uh, the J6 guy one of them in solitary confinement most of them have or many of them i should say have been in solitary confinement this guy is in for 5 months put in the hole he's been in a um closet sized hole i mean a, a, a cell and he wears underwear and that's all he can wear and, and and he has to you know do his business in a in a bucket and he was the person to whom ray epps said hey we got to we got to you know get inside the capitol let's take down the take down the barriers he, he's that guy ray epps told him to do that so dummy him but nevertheless he's the one in the hole ray epps is a hero of the left so there you go in fact he's got a uh, an attorney that is paid for by 65 Project. Isn't that interesting? A Delaware firm. See if you can connect the dots to that. So lots going on now. President, Former President Trump is expected to try to get his case moved to federal court. That's the play. Mike Davis is with the Article 3 Project. I spoke with him 
just, I think it was just yesterday on the Adult in the Room podcast. And here are some of the observations he made about the case in Georgia and about how it reminds him of the dead chicken treatment. Listen, if you will. They couldn't just stick to Jack Smith's um, presidential records case, which uh, Trump's going to win as a legal matter under the Presidential Records Act, but that was their best case. Instead, they had to bring in these three other indictments, right? Just that, which just undermined what Jack Smith was trying to do on the records case. Same thing they did with Kavanaugh. They couldn't just stick to Christine Blasey Ford, who was lying through her teeth, but she was the best they had. They brought in five other buffoons, including Michael Avenatti and Julie Swetnick and all these other clowns that undermined everything they do. I ran the dead chicken strategy against the lawfare against Kavanaugh. Uh, to win the, his co- confirmation and to send four Senate Democrats into early retirement, we can run the dead chicken strategy again to make sure that President Trump is back in the White House and send a very strong message that just like we're not going to let that Me Too mob uh, have the presumption of guilt, guilt even when you prove your innocence, to destroy the lives of your brother, your father, your uncle, your son, Hell no, that's not how America's going to run. The same thing's going to happen here. We're not going to let these Marxists decide who's going to be our next president with their lawfare. They're both- now, now, Mike Davis is, is a fan of fighting back full on, put up your dukes kind of a thing, legally speaking, of course. And he is pretty sanguine about President Trump's chances should he be the Republican nominee. And it's pretty remarkable. Listen to a few more observations that he's made, and you can hear the whole thing on the Adult in the Room podcast in the coming days. Bogus, lawless, lawless. It may be bogus. It may be lawless, but it may work in the court of public opinion. But I have to go back because I don't know what the dead chicken strategy (laughs) is. Perhaps you could explain it to us. I love this. So when I was, so I uh, clerked for Justice Gorsuch twice, once when he was on the 10th Circuit, when I was a younger man, and, and then once when I was this decrepit, like 40-year-old, I clerked for him again <laughs> to help him get set up on the Supreme Court uh, five years ago. And so when you do a clerk, and I, 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 I just did it for several months just to help him get set up, and then I let the younger, smarter clerks replace me. But when you do these clerkships with these Supreme Court justices, each one of the nine justices has four law clerks, and uh, each set of four law clerks goes and has lunch, goes and has lunch with each one of the uh, the eight other justices during your term. And so the lunch with Justice Clarence Thomas was the best two and a half hours, because he loves to have long lunches, uh, the best two and a half hours of Uh-oh. my life, because he talked about growing up on the farm in Georgia. When dogs killed chickens, you would wrap those dead chickens around those dogs' necks. And as those chickens rotted around those oh. dogs' necks, those dogs lost the taste for chicken. And I thought, you know what? This is a good tactic to use politically. So I used that during the Christine Blasey Ford nonsense against Kavanaugh. They couldn't, like I said, they couldn't just stick to Christine Blasey Ford. So every new, each one of those new allegations that came in, those five allegations that came in, I just publicly released them and wrapped those dead chickens around those Democrats' necks, let it rot around those those Democrats' necks. And then I kind of wonder, in retrospect, do you think that worked? And will all of this falderall pertaining to Trump, the New York situation, the Georgia indictment, and let's see, what else is left? Uh, oh, yeah, and the, 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 the classified papers. 
I mean, the Presidential Records Act covers that. They didn't even mention the Presidential Records Act in the indictment. It just makes you wonder. It's really a let's just do everything we can to make the guy look guilty, throw it against the wall, and maybe somebody's going to buy it. And more of Mike Davis. And Kavanaugh got confirmed. We pulled the rabbit out of the, out of the hat and confirmed Kavanaugh. And four Senate Democrats got sent into early retirement the same election cycle in 2018 that Democrats won the House of Representatives. Well, that's very interesting. Well, you can always, I mean, I, I hope that they are called out by the voters for this charade and this uh, decor, uh, desecration of the justice system. This isn't, this isn't equal justice. This isn't a vendetta. You want to talk about mob behavior? You ain't seen nothing until you've seen what they're doing to Donald Trump and 18 other people in Georgia. And the fact is, we now know, it's been alleged. How about if I say that? We now know that it's been alleged that the Fulton County DA announced her charges because the White House told her to do it early because they had to get ahead and drown out all that bad news about the special counsel that looked like a put-up job, which, of course, it was. Wow. Well, it's been a pleasure being with you today, and uh, we've got more to come. Victoria Taft in Fort Jason Rance. And remember, head up, heart out, and uh, please strive to be the adult in the room.